amazing, right? I know there's more testimony stories in the chairs here. If you can testify over the past five weeks that God has done something miraculous, I'm keeping my hand up because I had a personal healing moment. Just put your hand up and say, yeah, there's something that happened. There's some hands. Put it up. Up. There we go. Just look at that. God has been working in our midst, as we said, right? Isn't he amazing? And I want to say thank you to Al and the team. I want to say thank you to Lisa. I want to say thank you to Gina for being brave and sharing the testimonies this morning. It's good that we hear it in here to build our faith. But um, what Gina ended with, let's take our testimonies out there for the world so that Jesus can be made known. That's the subline of this whole journey of miracles is that he be made known. And glory to God that he has been working and will continue to work in our midst. Sometimes we put a word of faith in someone, like sitting with Simeon and they're about to get married and he's despondent because of this news um, from his future bride. And he just say, my friend, let's trust God. And a year later, God comes through a year later uh, because God is faithful like that. Let's continue to pray for one another. Let's continue to trust. And even as we conclude our miracle series today from the Gospel of John, looking at the last sign, let's not lose faith that God is working miracles in our midst. As I said at the beginning, be realistic, expect miracles. <laughs> and maybe you feel like you're a little bit closer there. So let's pray together before we open up the word this morning. Jesus, we thank you that you are true over your word to perform it, to make it alive and active. And that, Lord, we are on this journey. And even prophetically this morning, you encouraged that, that there might be some waiting for us, Father. Maybe a little longer, maybe quite long. But even today, Lord, there might be an answer to long-standing prayer. Or a prayer that's come up to you this week. Lord, however you decide to work we want to say this morning, we trust you, because you are true, and your word is true. So as we look at your word this morning, may your truth echo of all of our lives. We trust you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Now before I preach, any moment now, we're going to have a load shedding switch, and when we do, uh, I'm going to give it a few seconds, so take that opportunity to think about what I've already said. Um, and then as soon as power is back on, I will continue with my message. Let me take you a little bit back to a moment in the Gospel of John. It was headline news. People were talking on the streets. And their talking went something like this. But Jesus opened up some people's eyes. Why could he not heal this man? If Jesus could do that, why couldn't he do this? Martha ran to Jesus and she said, Jesus, if you were here, this would have, wouldn't have happened. And later on when he sees Martha's sister, Mary, she falls down at his feet and she's weeping. And says, Jesus, my brother is dead because you didn't come. The headlines that day in Bethany was, Jesus, you let us down. Lazarus is dead. We've called for you. We asked you to come. 
He didn't come quickly. Now we're mourning. Jesus, you've let us down. What is the headline in your mind this morning? What's the headline that you carry in your heart? Maybe you feel like you can relate to that. Maybe not today, but maybe there was a moment in your journey, in your life, where that was true. Where you feel let down, even by God Himself. Let's open up our Bibles to John chapter 11, as we're going to read the story of Lazarus. And Lazarus raised from the dead. I'm going to read verses 1 to 44 with some small edits to make the scripture a little bit uh, more shorter to read this morning, but I want you to lean in and listen to the story. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. On his arrival... Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Mary heard Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed behind at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called the sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still a place, at the place where Martha had met him. And when the Jews who had been with Mary in her house, comforting her, Noticed how quickly she got up and went out. They followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. 
When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you? If you believe, you will see the glory of God. So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But this I said for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe it's you who have sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his feet and hands wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. What a story. Did I not say, if you believe, did I not say if you believe? We've got to notice in the story that Jesus has his plans. He has his plans. He gets called by the sisters, come Jesus, please come, our brother is sick. And it says, now Jesus loved this family. What would we have done? We would have gone. In our mind, we're like, the story doesn't match up. He loves them. Why did he stay? He loved this family. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then after two days, he told his disciples, come, let's go up. I've got to go wake Lazarus up. Jesus has his plans. We're plan, right? My friend is sick. I love him. I'm going to stay. Isaiah 55 comes to mind. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares Yahweh, the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Jesus has his plans, he hangs out a little longer, and we see here that he's not driven by the human urgency that drives us so many times. Non-anxiously, he tells his disciples, let's wait. Let's wait. I wonder if we would let him, whether he could swallow up our anxieties, like that moment. I'm like, cool, Jesus. We'll wait with you. 
not driven by this urgency, like it's got to happen now. It's got to happen now. If not now, I don't know. I'm going to give up on my faith. I'm going to give up my belief. If God hasn't come through in this moment, I'm done. I want to ask you again, what's the headline that you carry in your heart and your mind this morning? We've got to understand something about God in this moment. Why would Jesus wait? Why is his plans so kind of interesting and unique in this moment? And a couple of weeks ago, we had a conversation in the car as a family about God's disposition and God's will. The word disposition describes someone's character, who he is that is unchangeable in his personhood. And God's disposition is that he is a good father, that he is the father of lights who gives good gifts. He introduces himself as a good God, as a good father in the Bible. That is who he is, that's who he is, that is his disposition, and that never changes. But then there's God's will and plan that works his purposes. And the best way to describe it is, like I am a dad to Alika, I want her to come and ask me anything. I want her to come and ask me for ice cream every single day. Because <laughs> as a dad, I would love to give her ice cream every single day. That's the character of being a father. You want your children to ask, and if you can, you would lavish on them everything they ask for. Yet, there's a will and a plan. There's a greater purpose. And I know that if I give Alika ice cream every day, it won't be healthy for her. Because my thoughts as a dad is a little bit higher than <laughs> the thoughts of a young mind, right? I know a little bit more, and I know that that's not good. And here we see Jesus revealing to us again that he's got a different plan. It doesn't change his character and who he is, but it leads us to a place of trust that he has plans. And then we see Jesus go to Bethany. And as he comes closer to Bethany, Martha gets ear that Jesus is near, so she runs to meet him outside of the town, and she said, Jesus, you've let me down. You didn't come. We called for you, and now my brother is dead. And later on, as we already read, the crowd even protested and said, could he not just have healed the man? So we notice in this thing that Jesus allows our protests. Nowhere there in this story does he say, you're not allowed to ask those questions. You're not allowed to go through the emotion. You're not allowed to experience what you're experiencing. In fact, the story repetitively tells us that Jesus stands there comfortable with the hard questions, with the protest. Jesus, if you just would have Maybe you've said that before. Jesus, if you just would have. And it gives us a sense of peace and knowing that he's such a good God that if we come with if you would have, just would have moments, that he's okay with that. He is okay with the times that our hearts and our souls protest. And again, non-anxiously, he stands in the presence of his protesters not feeling the urge to settle them down just yet, but allow them to speak. Isn't that encouraging, right? 
Isn't that encouraging to know he is such a good father in his character that we can go to him because he is a father that cares for the feelings of his children. He's not a God that is far off, but he's near. He understands. In fact, he gave us those feelings. He gave us our emotions, the whole play of it, not just the good ones. Even anger is an emotion given by God It's what we do with the anger that turns to sin or righteousness. And Jesus allows the protest in this moment. The Psalms are full of lament, crying out to God with the feelings that we feel because we live in a broken story and He knows that. So He allows our protest. But then we read in the story that even though Martha was saying, Jesus... If only you would have, she's still carrying a glimmer of hope. When she said, I know that if you go ask God, he will hear you. And you can do something in the midst of my pain. To which Jesus responded, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection in the last day. I know, Jesus, that one day he will rise again. To which Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The resurrection is not just about defeating death. It's about coming to me. Isn't that where we started our miracle story? It's about coming to Jesus, to know him and to make him known. So the story continues Jesus doesn't then just rush off and get the miracle done. Although he knows what is coming, he's still slowing down. And he walks to town. Before he does, Mary is told by Martha that Jesus is still outside of town. And she runs to him. And the Jews run with her because they've come to console her. And she gets up and she runs. And you can imagine the scene, right? If you were someone that's grieving and they suddenly get up and they just go somewhere, you're going to like... Let's go, let's go support, let's go help. And they all run out to Jesus outside of the town. And Mary falls down, troubled in her spirit that her brother has passed away. And she says, Jesus, if only you would have been here, my brother would have been alive. And she's weeping. And Jesus sees her weeping. And he sees the Jews weeping. And the Bible says he was deeply moved and troubled in his spirit. And then those two profound words, Jesus wept, because Jesus feels our pain. He felt it. He became human so that he could feel what it is to be human in a broken world. And in that moment, the brokenness of death affected Jesus so that he didn't rush to just get the miracle done. He said, I'm just going to be you and for a while with you. And he cried. In fact, he wept strong word, saying that there were tears running down his face. I don't know what your headline is, but the headline I read here is a God who feels. A Jesus who cried with us. He stops everything. The urgency of the sign to just feel with them, to be in the pain with them. And he identifies with the human brokenness. 
Sometimes we carry the headline that Jesus doesn't understand how this feels. But scripture shows us that he does. And then we see later on when he gets to the tomb, there's even a second moment where he's overwhelmed by the emotion because it's his friend. It's his friend. I can imagine him imagining the times that they spent together the memories they have, and now his friend is dead, but I think Jesus was standing there overcome by the emotion because he could feel just how painful death is. And in a few days from now, it'll be his turn to go through the same thing. But I think Jesus was moved even more so because he knew that the other side of that rock, there was a battle happening where death is standing over Lazarus' body and saying, I've won. I've won, I've won. And Jesus is feeling what that feels like when death thinks it is stronger than his power and he is deeply moved. He knew what it felt like on the other side of the rock. He knew what it felt like to experience the greatest human pain. He felt it himself. Isn't it amazing the story that reflects what is to come? They didn't put Lazarus in something else. They put him in a cave. And they rolled a rock in front of it. Because what would happen? <laughs> a little while from there, a cave with a rock in front of it. Representing and pointing us to what Christ would do. And then when the rock is removed, we see this moment with Martha again. We see, say, Jesus, why are you removing the rock? For four days, the body has been in there. It's going to smell terrible. Still, Martha didn't believe. Didn't he invite her? And here again, he says, Martha, didn't I tell you that if you just believe, you would see what? You would see the glory of God. And then in his turmoil, in his emotion, what does Jesus do before he does the sign? He goes to the Father. How good would it be for us when we are in those moments of emotional turmoil to go to the Father? And he prays and he says, Father, I know that you hear me. You've always heard me. Maybe the headline you carry is, I'm not sure if God still hears. But here Jesus says, I know that you hear me. You've always heard me. Because that's the Father you are. You are God. You are in all things and through all things. And you've made everything and you are omnipresent and you are right there. So I know that when I speak, you hear. He says, but I'm praying now to you so that these people might know that you are about to do something miraculous. He says, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. And then I love this. Imagine Jesus standing there thinking, now, let's show them just how loudly you have heard my prayer. And then Jesus speaks with authoritative power. He looks death in the face. And with a loud voice, he says, Lazarus, come out. And the same voice that created the universe in the beginning speaks to death. And he says, Lazarus, 
come out. The same voice who spoke light into darkness, so strong that the darkness could not hold it, speaks to death. And he says, Lazarus, come out. And that same voice is still speaking with authority and power today, friends. Do you believe it? Do you believe is the question. Do you believe? Rise from the dead, Lazarus. Wake up from your short slumber. This is for the glory of God. This is for the glory of God. All authority belongs to Him, Jesus. He is before all things, and all things hold together in Him. And then He speaks, and in this moment of history, everything changes as He speaks life to death. And in this moment, we see that Jesus reversed the problem because the problem came in at the beginning when man said, God, we don't want to follow your ways. We want to follow our own ways. And God said, if you do, you will surely die. And here we are faced with death because of the brokenness right at the beginning. And Jesus comes and he reverses it all for our sake. When we were created... We were never designed to die. There was no death in that perfect place with Him. And the reason we trust God for miracles today is because of the brokenness that came in at the beginning. If we didn't have that brokenness that has brought death, we wouldn't be asking for miracles today because we would still be living in that perfect, all-good place that He made for us in the beginning. But Jesus comes into our story. He becomes human. He hears our protest. He feels our pain. And He stands up with His power and authority. And He speaks life. And He says, I'm changing the picture around. Even the greatest pain, death, I have overcome. And the greatest headline of all time is written on the pages of every human heart who dares to read it and believe it. Death was defeated. It's the greatest headline ever seen. Death was defeated. So when I ask you again, what headline are you carrying? It's a miracle you might be waiting for that God so beautifully spoke into prophetically this morning. In its essence, becomes swallowed up in this last sign. If you think about it like this, we all walk around with our headlines. This one says 40 years. I'm not going to read the subscript, but maybe for 40 years even, you've been saying, God, I'm trusting you for a miracle. This is the headline of my story. Or maybe even you have trusted him for the miracle and it actually has happened. But maybe you're standing here today and you're trusting him for a miracle of healing that hasn't happened. That's the headline for you. Or maybe for a miracle of a new work opportunity or something to change in your finances. That's the headline that you wake up with every morning, the weight of this world, the heaviness of it all. Or maybe the headline in your life of a broken relationship 
with someone in your family or a friend and God, how can this be restored? Or maybe you're carrying the headline that you are not enough, that you are insufficient and even though you cry out to God and you ask Him to reach down, you don't experience Him, you don't feel Him and it would be miraculous just to feel Him and we all walk around carrying our headlines and Jesus comes and He says, place all of it within this final message wrapped up that resurrection is coming. Neatly placed in the whole story of his signs is this final sign that when I come back, you will be raised from the dead. Then the seeming big thing that we carry for so long becomes so small. Because scripture says this, and this is the words of Jesus. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, though she die, though we pray against cancer, and cancer takes life. Though we pray that a marriage would be restored, but it never does. Though we pray that this year would just be easier. We get through it on the other side and we feel a little bit better. Though we die. It's the words of Jesus. Yet shall he or she live. Our ultimate battle, our ultimate miracle is already taken care of. And it swallows up anything else that we might be carrying this morning or through our lives. The question, do you believe this? Do you believe this? Lord Jesus, I know that you know the headline of every heart this morning. You know what we are carrying around. You know what we are fighting for or fighting with. But thank you for this sign, Jesus. That you have come to say, I've got my plans. And it might just look completely different to what you hope for. And it's okay if you come with your protests because I feel your pain I know it I have felt it on the cross but my power and my authority is still the same and I have come and reversed the biggest problem you face death Lord and we want to say this morning that we are people who believe this That in the end, death is defeated and you win. And Lord, even though we might see miracles today, even though we might not, even though we might see miracles in the years to come, even though we might not, Lord, this miracle is unshaken. It remains, and as Henry said this morning, we are part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And this kingdom is built upon this truth, Jesus, that you did not only speak to Lazarus to raise from, be raised from the dead, but you yourself face the death that we fear and you've conquered 
And you say, my sons and my daughters, in this life you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome. So Lord, I pray that we would neatly come this morning and place our headlines in this story. That you are sovereign and that you wrap up our story in the resurrection. The last part of this story is fascinating. Lazarus comes out. He's healed. He's raised from the dead. And then Jesus tells those around him, go, clean him up, untie him. Participate in this miracle. Jesus invites participation in this moment with the people, the community, those around Lazarus who've seen it. For many reasons, I believe, maybe because he wanted them to smell that there's no more stains of death. So that they could feel the warmth that's back in his body. So that they can come near and be part of unbinding this man from the battle that he fought. And I thought it well this morning for us as a community to be invited into participation. To come around one another and say, we are going to take a moment to untie one another from whatever it is that is still trying to cling to us. Disbelief, a headline, something that is shaping our relationship with God and with others, something of brokenness that we're carrying inside of us. And we're saying, friends, help me get rid of it. I want to get out of it. I don't want to live being defined by this. Can we do that this morning? Can we be the participants in the miracle that some are still waiting for in this room? By praying with them, by speaking life and power and this resurrection story over the headline that they are carrying. So what I'd like us to do is can we all stand? to our feet this morning so we can get ready to pray. And then I want you to respond this morning by saying, because I believe the word has done a lot for various ones this morning, but there might be some of you that I believe you, you need this to happen, that placing of the story and the catching of his resurrection. That you have been particularly defined by the headline that you've been carrying around. And we wanna come and help you be untied this morning. So if that's you, would you mind to put up your hands so that we know where we can pray? Thank you. Anyone else? Put up your hand. Thank you. Keep it up. Anyone else? There's more hands that should go up, I'm sure. Great. So hands up. Can I ask the leaders and those who pray to find someone with a hand up? We've got people over here, people over there, people on this side. Let's uh, go and pray with them. Participate in what they trust in God for. Please do share what we can pray for. And then for the rest of us, here's what I want you to do, because we're all going to be praying. Can you turn to one another in groups? 
And can you speak about this message? Particularly what God has been speaking to you about. And then pray for one another. Participate in this message. And say, guys, this is what I would love you to pray with me for. In my journey, trusting God for miracles in my own life. So let's pray together as a church today. I want Matt to just uh, share something with us. Keep praying. Quickly lean in. We will continue to pray after that. Matt, please come share. As we were praying a bit earlier, I kept hearing home. I kept hearing about home. And I was trying to understand um, what, what is this word for me? What is, what is home and what is God saying? And as Pierre was coming to the end of his sermon and speaking about the resurrection and our final destination, the home where we're going, God then laid and reminded me the scripture in Revelations chapter 22. And it says, And there shall be no more curse but the throne of God and of the Lamb that shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. 
and they shall see his face and his name shall be on their foreheads and there shall be no night there and they will not need any candle neither the light of the sun for the Lord God will give them light and they shall reign forever and forever amen Father we thank you that even after we have experienced miracles or not experienced them Father after we've gone through the agony and the stress and the headlines that we've carried in our hearts throughout all our years Father when healings have happened and healings have not happened Father when jobs have been received and people have been retrenched Father after all the celebrations and all the victories and all the tears and all the pain Father we will be home we will find you and will reign in eternity thank you father because you are indeed the resurrection and you are the life and father we who believe in you though we will one day die in the natural father forever we will live with you in eternity and thank you lord for the gift of eternity and so father I want to pray for any person who is in this building this morning who has not yet made that decision to come home to you we are praying father that this morning this afternoon lord there is a turning of a heart in this place there is a turning of a life to realize that we're not here for an event we're not here father just to sing songs we're here to find our home and we find our home in you amen friends i want to send you out this morning with this picture Take this picture through your life journey. Take it in your daily walk with Him. If something comes up, you bring it before Him. You know that you can, that He's a good Father that wants you to ask Him, speak to Him about it, and then place that thing. Put it in the bag. Maybe we should make that a, something we say to one another here. Pray about it, trust God for it, stand on His word, and put it in the back. Because home is rushing our way. Might be tonight. Might be tonight that Jesus is taking you home. And by that I mean Him returning. What a glorious moment it will be when everything is wrapped up. I mean, these papers are so small in this big bag. You can keep loading them up. Probably put... 100 newspapers in here. The story of your life is wrapped up in this picture. So Lord Jesus, I bless your people this morning with a deep knowing of just how much the Father loves them as a good Father. I bless your people this morning knowing that the Son has given up his life so that he can fully and finally conquer death. I bless your people this morning with the Holy Spirit that would remind us to put it in the back, to trust you, to pray to you, but know that ultimately, if we believe, we will be resurrected. In Jesus' name, we all say, amen. As you go from here and you still want to pray with one another, please do. There's no rush. We'll continue to play soft music. If you want to register for experiencing victory or water baptism after the service at the table, and we pray you have a blessed week. Amen.